you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. The wage of the righteous leads to life. The gain of the wicked to sin. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. When the wicked dies, his hope will perish, and the expectation of wealth perishes too. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favour is better than silver or gold. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honour and life. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. Two things I ask, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be fallen, deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Well, money is the root of all evil. It's filthy mammon, it's dirty. Christians should handle it like that. Oh, money is good, it's desirable, it's beautiful. Zig Ziglar puts it like this, money isn't everything, but it's right up there with oxygen. We all need it and we all want it. Money's bad, money's good. What do we do with money? Because that's a question, not a hypothetical question. We all have to handle this issue of money. No exceptions. And Proverbs would say it's very important how we handle it. We need wisdom. We need God's wisdom to know how to live skillfully in this area, as we live in God's world in this area of money. What Proverbs has to say is not all that the Bible has to say, but it's some important things that we need to know. So let's pray. 
All right, we need God's help. Father, as we come to you this morning and we look at this topic of money, Lord, help us to uh, not resist, not to come thinking that we already know, but to listen to your word spoken to us through Proverbs and to listen to you and be changed as we do. So we ask this by the power of your spirit. May this be our good. May we live more skillfully as a result of this time together. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Four points. First, money is good. 10 verse 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Hear that? The blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Like it or not, Proverbs' basic attitude towards money is positive. If you're rich and compared to most of the world, you and I are all rich just by virtue of living in Australia. If, if we have this blessing of riches, then it is from God. It's not from us. It's not from the devil. The gift of money coming to us is, Proverbs says, from God. And it really shouldn't surprise us because God made this world. He made it beautiful and he said that it was good. Yes, we live in a world that, that's broken today, that's true, but there is so much goodness that remains in this world, despite the, the curse of sin. We live in a world with tremendous opportunities for the creation and the enjoyment of wealth, and Proverbs says this comes from God, and it's good. And you say, well, hang on, Andrew, the, the Bible's got a lot to say about the dangers of money. It does. Uh, money, how we use it, can be bad, but it also, the Bible has a lot to say about the dangers of gluttony. And the dangers of sexual immorality, it never says that food or sex are bad. How you use them can make those things uh, negative. Certainly not limited to material wealth and possessions, the blessings of God, but doesn't exclude them either. Listen, 22 verse 4, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honour and life. Money is good. The Lord brings wealth and he adds no sorrow to it. What a good blessing money is to us from God. There's the first point. Maybe not what you expected. Money is good. Second point. So be good with money. Money's good, so be good with it. Um, Proverbs has got a lot to say about how we are good with money. Number one, and this comes up in, we didn't hear these Proverbs read, I'll, I'll take you through them. Um, beware of the get rich quick scheme. Proverbs has got a lot to say about that. If money is good, and then, then it's not wrong in one sense to, to want to get money. We'll look at that later. But in one sense, it's not wrong to get money. Be careful how you do it. Because the instant rich, get rich quick scheme, we are all susceptible to it, aren't we? Whether it's the scammer, you know, we, we got one from church the other day, actually, um, Monty, the uh, working in administration, she sent me this email, said, Andrew, this is great news. Uh, we've got this lady in Nigeria, and she wants to give us as the church over a million dollars. We've got to look this up. And she contacted me on the day off, said, we don't want to let this one fly, slip. I was like, Monty, yeah, you're going to learn very quickly, we get, I get one of these a week from the church, and probably at least one or two uh, personally, and we all do. 
But why do people send them out? Because they work. For some people, the desire to get rich is like, this is too good to be true, but I'm going to jump in on anyway, and it's too good to be true. And it's not just get-rich-quick schemes that we see from scammers. It's, it's other areas as well, isn't it? it the the get-rich-quick option. The easy money. Uh, let me tell you, when, uh, in 2001... Uh, I was with the army in East Timor. We were on, on operations. And uh, one day I remember, I, I was, can't remember what I was doing, but I was going from one place to another and I saw a group of soldiers gathered together whispering. And I was like, hmm, I wonder what's going on there. So I sort of sidled up and, and they, you know, they all closed off. Didn't want to talk. And I was like, oh, what's going on, fellas? You know, like you're talking about something. I saw you talking about something. What are you talking about? No, 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 you, you don't want to know, sir. You don't want to know. I was like, I think I do want to know, and I was the intelligence officer, so it could be a mutiny. And, uh, and so I was asking these guys, and, and it turned out, far more important than immunity, it was something called Pazminko. And uh, Pazminko, you won't have heard of Pazminko, Pazminko was an ASX-listed stock, a blue chip, chip stock, and it had gone through some really hard times. It was a big zinc producer, gone through some really hard times, but, but the news was that it was going to rebound by 300% for sure, maybe even 500% was realistic, and these guys had the inside word. And so I, I called up Dana uh, that night, and I said, Dana, look, you know, we, we've got no debt, we've got, sorry, we've got no assets, and we've got quite a bit of debt. When you, you, this is a gravy train straight from God just for us. Paz, it's called Pazminko, and, um, and we need to get on it. And at that time, um, I was overseas, Dana, Dana was working as a lawyer during the day and uh, moonlighting as a pharmacy assistant at night. She thought that was the way to get out of debt. And I said, no, Dana, Pazminko. Like, that, that's much, much better. And, uh, and you might get, get where this is coming. So we, we invested, uh, she saw the light, and we invested heavily in Pazminko. Two months later, it went bust. Two months later, we lost everything that we invested. Every single dollar. Proverbs says, don't get rich quick. Get rich slow. And uh, here's a couple of Proverbs. Proverbs 13 11, wealth gained hastily will dwindle. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Proverbs 20, verse 21, an inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Why is that? Because money won't change your character. More money will not give you more character. More money will just accentuate the character you already have. And if you're already bad with money, give you, give you more money and you'll just be bad with more money rather than bad with less money. And which is why there's a Netflix documentary, I think, at the moment out on, um, on NFL players, I think, and the huge amounts of money that they earn and you look like five years down the track and it's all gone. Same with lotto. So many people that live for the lottery, they get rich quick and it, they get rich quick and then get poor again even quicker. Proverbs says, be careful of it. Money doesn't come from instant wins. It comes from hard work. So Proverbs has got a lot to say about this. Proverbs 10 verse 4, those who work their land will have abundant food. But those who chase Pazminko have no sense. So, <laughs> and uh, honest work, not just hard work, 21 verse 6, the getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. So honest work, hard work, slow accumulation. Proverbs says that's the way to handle wealth, not get rich quick. I did some sums this week, and uh, they were kind of depressing sums. Um, but I did the sums, and I worked out that if I'd put what I invested in 2001 in Pazminko 
into a boring old managed fund, uh, it would have returned 9% on average for the last 23 years. Now, you know what stings? Compound interest is what stings. Proverbs doesn't use the word compound interest, but it's clearly a principle it, 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 um, it suggests in, more, in other ways. Compound interest, what is it? It's the money, that, the interest that you earn on interest, right? The interest that you earn on interest. So if you've got $100 and it earns 5% every year, in the first year you've got $105, in the second year you've got $110 dollars and 25 cents because you've earned money on the interest that you earned previously and even if you never add another cent to the account in 10 years your hundred dollars will be 162 dollars in 25 years you'll have almost 340 dollars see those maths so <laughs> I put a lot more than a hundred dollars into Pazminko and when I did those sums it, it's not 300 or 500 percent that Pazminko promised the nine percent but the end of the story is that I would have had a lot of money that I don't have now because I took the fool's way of wanting to get rich quick. But Proverbs also says if you're going to utilize the power of compound interest, then living skillfully in God's world means that you will also save. You need to save money to earn interest on money. It means that you will be intentional and thoughtful as a Christian, in regard to the way you use your money. For most of us, that means that you will have a budget. You will think about how much money you earn, and then you will carefully allocate it to the areas it needs to go. And Proverbs would say, part of that allocation needs to go into saving. So Proverbs 6, verse 6, this is a great one, this one. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and it gathers its food at harvest. I'm told that an ant has a brain that is a million times smaller than yours and mine. Proverbs says, go and look at that little thing on the concrete because it has some wisdom which sometimes we lack. Collect your food in the harvest time when it's summer and things are plentiful and save some of it. It's what the ant does. Proverbs says that we would be very wise not to spend all of our disposable income as soon as we get it on all the kinds of things. We can all do it, eating out, all of the things that we can quickly fritter away our money. And Proverbs says, save some of it. And being good with money, uh, Proverbs also said, is, means being prayerful and careful about the D word. You know what the D word is? The debt world word. So, example 22, Proverbs 22, verse 26, says, be not one of those who give pledges, who put up security for debts. If you've got nothing with which to pay, why should your bed be taken from under you? Proverbs speaking about debt. And again, 22, verse 7, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Be careful with debt. Basically, um, this is not in Proverbs, but I think it's a, it's a true principle. There's basically two kinds of debt. There's good debt and there's bad debt. All debt is dangerous, but there can be good danger and bad danger. So good debt is debt where you borrow to invest in something that will typically grow in value. So for example, you might take a home loan or a mortgage. That's 
generally good debt. doesn't mean that you're going to absolutely maximise income, but not for, by no means. But it is generally good debt. What is bad debt? Bad debt is most of debt. Bad debt is stuff that you buy or you, you borrow to buy which will decrease in value. What are a couple of areas of bad debts? Young men particularly, cars. Cars are bad debt. Not only do they decrease in value, but they take all the rest of your money as well. Uh, cars, constantly needing money. Bad debt, what else? Clothes, they're bad debt. I don't, tell, me, tell me clothes that increase in value. You go, oh yeah, I know there was this thing that was an outfit, boy, it's now worth three, yeah. Right, yeah, clothes decrease in value. Um, what else decreases in value? Overseas holidays, <laughs> you know, you get nothing at the end of that, do you? Like, they're gone. I'm not saying I love overseas holidays, but they don't increase in value. And, and our culture and our society knows very well that we want instant gratification. We want things now. So it gives us a whole bunch, afterpay. Buy now, pay later. Interest-free for 24 months, credit cards. All of these things are encouraging us to use money in a way, say, we want something, let's buy it, and we'll worry about how we'll pay for it later. That's pretty much all bad debt. Far better to earn what you need, pay for it with your money, and you'll actually probably enjoy it more if you do that way way. anyway, because delayed gratification. So... There's a, God, money, God says money is good, so be good with your money, but being good with your money is far more than just knowing how to earn it and how to save it. Being good with your money in Proverbs means that you are also good with your money in how you spend it. So here's three areas that, money, that Proverbs says you have to spend your money on if you're going to live wisely in God's word. Number one, you need to spend your money on the poor. Proverbs, a big emphasis on this. Proverbs 28, verse 27. Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. Hiding your eyes from the needs of of the poor. Proverbs 19, verse 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he'll repay him for his deed. Isn't that that last Proverbs? It says, you know, if you are generous to the poor, then you are lending money to God. Now, I don't know if you've thought about that. Like, there's a lot of power in combat interest, but that's no power like the living God. You, inv- you care for the poor, you invest your money with God's bank, and the point the Proverbs make is, is he, he returns well. So be kind to the poor. Now, maybe this morning, be generous to the poor, you, you go like, I just don't know where to start. And I can't give to the guy in the street because he'll probably just, or she'll spend it on alcohol or drugs, and that's probably not a smart way. So, what do I do? And sometimes I think we go, like, what do I do? How am I going to invest in this wisely? And sometimes it's possible to be so worried about that we end up doing nothing. Yeah, and if that maybe is you, you kind of get to the paralysis. I don't know how to give properly. Here's a couple of things um, give, give to registered charities, whether or not they're Christian. Yeah, give to charities that do practical work and have got a track record. The Salvos are awesome. They are a Christian charity, but the Salvos are awesome. They, they have a track record of doing good work in helping people practically with poverty. Um, give, to, give to us as a church. I, I did the sums. In the last three years, we've given $150,000 directly to the poor um, from, from you, and we've tried to do that intentionally and carefully in Australia and overseas. And if, if you go to, I'm not sure about those two things, well then, 
we partner as a church with an organization called Compassion International. And its goal is releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. It's a great organization. In a couple of months, we're going to have a Compassion Sunday. But if you don't know what to do, release a child from poverty in Jesus' name. Someone told me this when I was 18, and I had my first paycheck um, from my annual first-year salary of $4,000. It was, I was just raking it in in uh, 1991. Um, but someone told me, and they said, well, it only cost, you know, whatever it was back then. I think it was only $20 or something back then, like a month, and you can release it. And I was like, okay. And I've been um, sponsoring children with compassion now for 32 years. And I tried to think, actually, of, of all the names of the children that have been released from poverty because of my, my gifts. And I can't even remember all their names. Now, I'm not saying that to brag. What I'm saying, because I reckon I spend way more on coffee than I do on compassion. But what I am saying and encouraging you is you have agency. Uh, Proverbs says that, you know, that, that how you handle your money and how you, how you give towards the poor shows that you are good with money. God's good with money. We need to be good with money. Give to the poor. That's the first thing. Secondly, give to other people. Uh, some people, and maybe you know people like this, can be very generous to the poor out there and very stingy to those closest to them. This is what Proverbs says, 11.24, one gives freely yet grows all the richer, another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Uh, Proverbs speaks about having our money and using it generously, not just to the poor, but to those around us, the people around us. And I think this is something I struggle with. Um, it's easy to be generous to the poor because you know that the Bible teaches it. But then I, I think in the early years of our marriage, I was way too stingy with my wife. You know, like quibbling about, you know, like $2 on the restaurant bill or, or $3 here. And two. It's easy to do. I think, oh, no, no, we're saving. We're, we're being like the ants, you sluggards. You know, that's what we're doing. Um, but actually, it can easily become a stinginess that um, is generous to those out there but is stingy towards those close. Um, Proverbs says it's actually counterintuitive. The way that God's um, created the grain of his world is that, is that stinginess actually ends up in poverty, not the other way around. One who gives freely get, grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. So we need to give to the poor. We need to give to others generously. And Proverbs says, thirdly, most importantly... Above those other ones, being good with money means that we give generously back to God. So Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 is, is the most, there's a lot of verses on this, but this is one of them. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So what does a Proverbs mean when it says the first fruits? What is that? That's not um, language that we use often. In the Old Testament context of which Proverbs is written, the first fruits is referring to the tithe. Uh, the tithe was the, the 10% of your income that the Old Testament instructed you as one of God's people to give to the work of God and his people, and then you gave the other stuff to, to the poor and to others in addition to that 10%. The first fruits was the tithe. It was 10%. Now, it's important. I'm not going to say everything the Bible says. The New Testament doesn't reiterate 10%. But it does reiterate the principle of the best of what we have. 
being given to God's work. So everyone here, if you're an adult, you have first fruits. For some of us, our income might be 20,000 a year. You've got first fruits. Your income might be 400,000 a year. You have first fruits too. And they're always going to go somewhere. That will they go on school fees and mortgages and car repayments and grocery bills and holidays and superannuation and coffee and eating out. They're all good things. Every one of those on the list is a good thing. But Proverbs says first fruits. Now, there are a lot of Christians, um, well, some Christians I know over the years, and, and I've been tempted to do this myself, and when you make a budget at the start of the year, you, you check your income and you're, okay, I've got school fees, I've got mortgage, I've got food, I've got insurances, I've got blah, 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 and, um, and I'll, let's work out what all those are, there's tax, put that in, and then anything left that I've got, then I can give that to God if there's any left. Uh, it's a, quite a, a common principle. Proverbs says, yeah, you got it back to front. That is not honoring God with your first fruits. The first fruits, they're the first fruits. So Proverbs says the very first check that you write, or in our language today, the very first direct debit that you organize on your account needs to go to God and his work. The first, not the last, and what's left over, the first fruits. That goes to God, then you, you balance all the other things and then whatever's left, that's, that's your discretion. But you go to God first. Now, this is uh, easy to do in principle, hard to do in practice. Very hard to do in practice because your heart, like mine, says, oh, look, I don't want to be rich. I heard about Proverbs being rich is dangerous. And, you know, I, I, but I want to have enough money to do what I need to do. I want to have enough money. I want to be secure. I won't have enough money to enjoy the things that I enjoy. And, and if I give my first fruits to God, well, then I won't have first fruits for myself. So I'll give to God, yeah, but I'll give what's left. Or if I get an un, unexpected bonus, then I'll give that to God. That's what our hearts argue with. But Proverbs says the universe is hardwired. God has created his universe with the grain. And the grain of God's universe in regards to money says you give to God first. First fruits. And Proverbs says, and we remember, these are not always promises, right? That's where we get unstuck with this, but these are principles. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Not a promise, but a principle. The first fruits belong to God. Give them generously. That's how we are good with our money how we spend it. We give it to the poor, we give it to other people, and we give it most of all to God. So money is good, be good with your money. Now thirdly, we need to be more than good with our money. And, and here's, here's, where the, here's where Proverbs is very real. Money is dangerous. We need to be more than good with it. Money is a dangerous thing to have. The whole Bible um, speaks to the reality of this. Proverbs does too. It's like a two-edged sword. Why, what are some of the dangers of money? Money can make you proud. You know how it can make you proud? Because it says you look at other people who don't have money and say like, if they followed my financial practices, if they read the Barefoot Investor as well, they would have money. It's because they're just... The, the instant gratification. 
That you're poor, oh well, you just like you just haven't used your money well. You forget that there's something called injustice and systematic injustice, system injustice. There's a whole lot of other things. So you become proud. Uh, Twenty-eight verse eleven: A rich man is wise in his own eyes, but a poor man who is understanding will find him out. You become wise in your own eyes if you've got money. Money is dangerous because it feeds pride. And Proverbs has something to say about pride. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Money can make you proud. Pride is putting yourself against God Almighty. It comes before a fall. Money is dangerous. Money is also dangerous because it can actually, ironically, make you more stingy. You'd think that if you had more money, you'd be more generous, but Proverbs says that's not always how it works. So um, there's this wonderful passage in 23, Proverbs 23, and it talks about a dinner party. It says this, do not eat the bread of a man who's stingy. Do not desire his delicacies, for he is like one who is inwardly calculating. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You'll vomit up the morsels that you've eaten and waste your pleasant words. Proverbs says, money can make you more stingy. You ever been to that? Like someone saying, oh, eat up big, and they're already thinking, that's like that mouthful, that was like $5 worth of lamb. Wow, that's, you know, like what I mean? It's easy to become more stingy, even if you, and Proverbs says that's running against the grain of the unit. It makes you proud, can make you more stingy. But the biggest and most dangerous problem, and the one that each of us has to rescue, this is why money is so dangerous. Money is so dangerous because it can tell you, it can lie to you, it can tell you that you don't need God. You know how I know this is true? Because I live in Australia. That's how I know it's true. Money tells Australians, you don't need God. You got everything that you need. Money will buy you the best schools for your kids. Money will give you insurances in case something goes wrong. Money will get you the best healthcare, but money will buy you the best lawyers to protect you. Money is the thing that you need most and you don't need God. You just need money. That is incredibly dangerous. And for we in Australia, this danger is everywhere you go, every ad you watch, every time you access your Centrelink or your paycheck. Money tells you you don't need God. Listen to how Proverbs puts it. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. It's like a high wall in his imagination. Proverbs speaks about, um, as a whole, it speaks about life as being a little bit like in a canyon. And you're in a canyon and there's a flash flood that is roaring down that canyon towards you. You can hear it. You can hear the rumble of rocks that are coming. You know it's coming. You've got just a few seconds to seek safety. And money on one side, you look, and there's this strong tower. It's a safe fortress. And money says, come over here. I'll keep you safe. Run to me. And as a nation, that's where we're running. But on the other side... There is Proverbs, which teaches us that money is not the most important thing. And that money can't save you. It's a dreadful, dreadful 
you, you, can't, you don't even know if you're going to keep it. Like Proverbs says 23, 4 to 8, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it's gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings and flies like an eagle towards heaven. You don't want to run to money. It's like a mirage. You run to it and it's gone before you get there. And, and even if you do get it, Proverbs says 11, verse 4 and 7, riches do not profit on the day of wrath. You know that? Riches, all the money in the world doesn't profit you a cent on the day of wrath. What's the day of wrath? The day of anger? Well, finally, that day will be the day when God comes to, to settle accounts. And Proverbs says, you listen to the lies that money is going to save you. You run to that city from the flood and it will not save you from the day of wrath. On the day of God's judgment, money will be, it'll, it'll be like acid on your skin, acid on your heart, on your soul. Proverbs says on the other side is a real strong tower. The flood rushes in and Proverbs says, 8 verses 10 to 12, take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. There's the strong tower on the other side saying, come and run and find your salvation and your rest in me. That strong tower, Proverbs says, is the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. That's better than all the money in the world is having security and safety in God. It's a house not like sand, as Jesus says, but like rock. So money's good. Be good with money. But you need to be more than good with money. And finally, finally, because God is good with money. God is good with money. Last week, uh, Chiz spoke to us, which was a, I don't know if it was like this in the morning, I was in the evening last week, but it teared me all up. Because he spoke about the fact about words and that our words are a mirror to our heart. They reveal what's really there. What's really inside of us. What's even more true with money. Words reveal your heart. Money, how you use it, reveals your heart. And more than reveals your heart, it steers your heart. Money, how you use money, how you treat money, steers your heart. You know, none of us are static Proverbs, that's a, that's a constant principle. None of us are living in God's word in a static position. We're either moving towards folly or we're moving towards wisdom. And how you use your money says unerringly which direction you are going and it's actually pushing you in that direction. It steers your heart. In the, I'm, I've tried to stay out of the New Testament as much as I can this morning because I want to look at what Proverbs says on its own terms. But Matthew 6.24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Proverbs says you chase money, you are chasing folly. You chase God and his wisdom in his world, then you are chasing wisdom. And Jesus says, you're going to choose one or the other. You can't do both. And so the question this morning is, who are you living for? And you know, I don't know, Andrew, blah, 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 but how do you use your money? And what hold does that money have on your heart? That's your answer. 
You can't serve God and money. And if you want to, you love money, before I quoted that, that um, saying from Timothy out of context, I said money is the root of all evil, that is not what the Bible says. The Bible says this, 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money, that is the root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Paul writing to Timothy says, some people love money and so they can't love God and they walk away from the Christian faith. I know people who have done that. I can see their faces. Maybe you do too. Maybe that's the temptation in your heart. God is good with money. God is good with money because how you use your money reveals your heart in the same way how God uses his money reveals his heart. You say, hang on, Andrew. That, that sort of sounded nice, but I don't think that can work because God doesn't need money. He has everything. So how can he be good with his money? And, and you're right, God doesn't have or need money, but he's got incredible wealth. God has the riches of his universe. They're all his. He wants for nothing from no one. He needs nothing. He has all the riches in the world. But if it's true that how we use our money reveals our heart, how does God use his money? John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave. How you use your money reveals your heart. God so loves the world, he gave his only one and only son so that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world, he gave. John 15, 13, Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, than he give. And he give up his life in exchange for his friends. What's God like? I think some of us think God's a miserly hoarder, stingy, levying his taxes from heaven on us poor humans who don't have enough resources. <laughs> now, the way the Bible says God uses his wealth shows his heart, a heart that is to give. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this, 2 Corinthians 8, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. How God uses his money shows us his heart. And the heart of God is revealed in the gospel. We say gospel, what's that? It's the good news. It's the good news about Jesus, that God loved the world so much he gave his son into the world. He loved us so much he gave Jesus and Jesus lived his life and then gave his life on the cross. He laid down his life for his friends. God's heart is revealed by the way he uses his wealth. He gives without stint and measure. Jesus gives without stint or measure. And then this, this, is, this is the rub. If you're a Christian here today, you can enjoy the wealth that God has wired into his world. You can use money for good and hold it lightly and keep it away from your heart. And you can do all of this because of the God who gives richly to you in Jesus. Because if you understand the gospel, that nothing you do or earn is really yours, it comes from God's riches and then you give back to him out of his riches with thankful hearts, not to earn anything, but because of what he's done. You understand the gospel, then you can hold money the way it's meant to be. And it can be a great friend to you in your time on earth. It's a terrible master, but it can be a useful friend. 
And if you understand the gospel, you understand that you don't need money to save you. You've been saved. And this has been done through the gift of God to Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, in the gospel. So you can give your money. You can be a blessing to those around you. You can use money and be aware of its dangers because you know Jesus Christ. The good news of the gospel. Hebrews chapter 15 sums it up. Third, sorry, verse 13, verse 5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. What riches have we who possess Christ, who possesses everything? Your money is a good gift from God. So be good with money. Be more than good with money because of its dangers and remember that you can do this because God is good with money. He's good with wealth. He gives in his gospel everything that you need. He'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to invite the, the, the band up. We're going to close out our time by singing. But let's pray that those words would go deep into our hearts. And, and this morning, if you don't know the goodness of God in Jesus Christ, if you don't know the truth of the gospel and you're living for money, well then, this is the time to stop it right now. And come to one who is a a strong fortress and a mighty tower, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we live in Australia and we know that as a nation, we now live for money, for its promises, for the things it holds out to us. And Lord, we also know that we are not immune to this. And so we pray, Lord, that as we look at the wisdom of Proverbs and we're reminded of the way in which your world works, help us, Father, we pray, to, to use the good gift of money, to be wise in the way we use our money. But Lord, help us, please, we pray, to avoid its dangers, to use money wisely in a way that we invest with you for all of eternity, as we give it to you and to others. And Lord Jesus, remind us of the gospel, the good news that you loved, or God the Father, you loved the world so much you gave your son. And so Lord, may we we put our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus and not in money. We ask these things because we need it desperately in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, Or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.